Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we were tuxedos in this time. Podcast, Podcast edition. edition. It's been a hot minute. It has been. So long that you can't even remember the intro. I never remember the intro. Same. Yeah, it's been it's been tough to sit down and do this together. You need a backpack because you're carrying this team yes. and one sports t-shirt. You made that joke before and I didn't get it. Do you get it now though? Well, now that you've yes, yes, knowed me. <laughs> Does anybody know that reference? N1. I thought, and one. Yeah, and I, I thought you were saying N1, and I was like, what is N1? No, 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 and one. And one, like N1 the brand. Is, is, is the turbine speed on the helicopter. Anyway, so. <laughs> okay. What were we going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, it's been a challenge to um, find time to sit down with you mm-hmm. to do this podcast. Yes, it has. It's been a while. Has been. We just ran out of things to talk about and then the podcast died. No, that's not true. You've been extremely busy and it's just been challenging to find the time in the evenings when we're not both exhausted and yes. tired. Um, what is today's podcast about, Peckham? Today, we're kind of going to talk about how you can't really grow your YouTube channel with just vlogs. And for anybody who is listening to this who doesn't create YouTube videos or doesn't know what vlogs are. Vlogs... St- the term blog stems from video blog. So a blog would be like a blog. For those people who aren't on the internet don't <laughs> know what the blog, blog is. is. Um, a blog is just a, a place where people would write articles about things that they're into, their life, um, projects that they're working on. Where does the term blog come from? I'm not really sure where I'm that sure comes from. I'm sure I knew from. it somewhere. Yeah. Something log, like captain's log. It's like, you're, yeah, it's maybe like a it's diary like entry. Body log or something. Sounds like a poop. (laughs) 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 Moving on. So a video blog would be a vlog. And vlogs, I feel like are, I feel like vlogs were really popular back in 2016, 2017. I feel like they've kind of fallen off a little bit, but it seems like they're starting to come back. I've seen a lot of uh, people talking about how they'd like to start a vlog or they're trying to start a second YouTube channel that's just vlogs because I think people understand how fun it is to make something for yourself mm-hmm. um, and not just for the algo, like a tutorial. <laughs> for or, the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just slaves to the algorithm, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because over the last few months, we've been kind of going back to our old content and watching basically our channel from the start because it's been so long now where it's like, it's beyond cringing at your own work and now it's become memories. Yes. Right? (laughs) So it's fun to go back and to watch um, our old videos and just to see, you know, A, like us being super awkward on the camera, not knowing how to make a vlog or be on camera at all, but then also see us come out of our shell as you know, life events happened and, um, just kind of see us grow on camera and just, and also see like at what point these like non-numerical milestones happened and numerical milestones, like, and, and what they correlated with, with certain times in our life. Yeah. So we we made a video about that. We did. And basically covered a lot of the points in our YouTube journey that we thought were significant, not necessarily number and subscriber count milestones, but actually like, Oh, this is when we started caring about this. This is when we started caring about telling a story. This is when we started caring about color grading and not using OPL mm-hmm. other people's LUTs. Yeah. So if you want to watch that video, I'll leave it in the show notes, Becky and Chris.com slash podcast episode 25. Yes. 
If you're new here, that's our website. We leave links and pictures and things that we talk about on these episodes on the blog. And if you are watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description box. Correct. So it's funny though, because we started watching all those videos again from the start, mm-hmm. but we never really got through it. No. How far do we get? I feel like we just watched. I think we like, got to Buffalo. Heli pancakes, I thought. Oh, do we? No, maybe. maybe not. I think we just had picked up the Millennial Falcon, or we were just about to watch the ones where we picked up the Millennial Falcon. I don't think we did because I don't. We never got to the t- the Texas trip, which would have been us picking up. I think that was like the next video. Oh, was it really? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, we should pick that back up because we haven't done that for weeks now. We should. Yeah, we should. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, so it is funny, as you guys may or may not know, when we started our YouTube channel, it was never to make it into a thing like it was just to document our life and to hold us accountable for making the most out of our year in Vancouver and it slowly morphed into a full-time job for me Um, but it wasn't we never started it with the intention of like we're going to grow this YouTube channel with vlogs because we weren't even concerned about growing a YouTube channel at all and we didn't really grow it because I mean there was some growth but I mean the growth was like how many subs did we have when we moved to Buffalo. Like less than 5,000. Like a couple thousand maybe? Three, maybe 3,000. And then we started with your YouTube channel for, that you had in college mm-hmm. because it had like a few hundred subs. Yeah. Which were just dead subs, which makes zero it, sense. Yeah. It's like nobody was watching scratch. any of your stuff, but you right. just wanted like, oh, well, if we start with an account that has like 300 subs, we'll get, we'll get it there It just felt like, well, at the time, like two or 300 subs felt massive. Yeah. It felt impossible to reach that amount. So we were like, well, why wouldn't we start with this? Right. Because like, if you think about, you'll have a few hundred friends on like social media that you actually know. So mm-hmm. anything that's more than that, it feels like, oh, this is more than my normal yeah. reach, even that- though there was no accounts that were actually engaging. Right. That first six months, I harassed everybody on my Facebook friends list to sub to our channel so we could get 500 subs by Christmas. Oh my God, that's so funny. Just because, I don't know, I guess it would just, yeah. Um, and, it, and it worked, but I don't think anyone really cared. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like it, we were making vlogs pretty much once, sometimes twice, sometimes even three times a week, we we're making videos. Yeah. And it didn't grow very fast. No, but we didn't give a shit because we loved doing it. And it was a timeline kind of thing. Yeah. Mom was watching it, I think. Yeah. I don't even know if mom watched it. I know she does now, some of them. Yeah. Because she'll message me sometimes and say, oh, I liked your video from oh, Sunday, nice. which is really nice. Thanks for watching, mom. Yeah. Thanks, Jer. when you look at creating a youtube channel especially for people who are starting like the big question is like do you niche down or do you make whatever you want and it's this catch-22 because if you make whatever you want it's way more fun and more enjoyable because you call the shots however the return on investment for your time and efforts if you want to grow a youtube channel it's just not as great as if you would niche down if you are making content that you want to make and it just happens to be in one niche, then you've kind yeah. of satisfied tick both boxes. Totally. For us, I, that was not the case though. No, it wasn't. And I think like, you know, you see people like Casey Neistat who really blew up because he was doing daily vlogs. But the reason why Casey blew up is because he already had a name for himself and people are interested in his life. Whereas like when you start from scratch and start making vlogs, nobody knows who you are. And to get to know somebody when there's not like a very clear, like value moment in a video, it's, it's hard to hook people into watching and caring about you unless you hook them with value at the beginning. It is. Yeah. You've got to have, like you said, you got to have that hook and usually people's mundane lives, generally speaking, is not enough of a hook 
like you'll never get get that initial traction. Yeah. Well, I I have to disagree to a point because I don't think you have to have a really interesting life to make great vlogs because I think it depends on your creativity yeah, and true. your filmmaking skills because you can make some really boring ass shit look deadly if you have if you know what you're doing. That's true, but I mean I think I'm just drawing from our own experiences when yeah. we just go eat tacos and film it. <laughs> Yeah. Like it should be like random, random video moments just strung together with music. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on a lot of our old videos, I, I said to you a couple of times, I was like, wow, this is like, this is a family memory video. This yes. is not a video that probably should have went on the internet for people to watch. This probably could have been a video that we held um, close to home as like a family memory. But it, do we have any videos like that though? Like, do we actually make videos that we don't put on the internet? No, we don't. Every video pretty, <laughs> we've have a handful of videos that never ever did make it to YouTube for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those old ones. But only fans on the other hand. <laughs> no. no, they just haven't. Not good enough or don't like it or irrelevant, whatever. But subscribe to our OnlyFans. <laughs> we don't have an OnlyFans unless Chris does. <laughs> imagine if I had, a, imagine if I had this alter ego. Imagine if I wasn't even a radiologist. And I just went to work and I worked just in a you studio. You worked at relaxation spa? Yes. I am at re- <laughs> <laughs> I am the masseuse at relaxation spa. Yeah. In fact, that story was about me massaging myself. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. If anyone hadn't seen that or listened to that podcast episode, which one, which number was that? We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. I don't remember. I sorry. You blacked out for a second. So, if somebody was going to ask you, um, say if they had like a decently established YouTube channel, um, in a niche and they wanted to make vlogs, would you say like, if you want to make vlogs, start a new channel? Or would you say, if you want to make vlogs, put it on your original channel? Um, it would depend on the channel or the person, but generally speaking, I would say put it all in one channel. Yeah. It has the potential to tank your videos because the algorithm gets confused. Your audience gets confused. However, if that's something you want to do, you can live with the tanking of the numbers because eventually, hopefully, maybe the people who are watching you start to get to know you better and then are interested in what you're doing and then are also interested in your niche as well. And so hopefully in turn, they'll maybe be interested in your vlogs too. Yeah, no, but we we say that from a perspective of a channel that's been built on a lot on personality, I think. Mm-hmm. Like people... Are used, we're always used to our videos being all over the place. So we could just post whatever we want. So we're going to obviously be biased from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I think like if you're say a tech channel, I mean, look at Potato Jet. He started a separate vlog, vlog channel. Yeah. And he's heavy in the tech niche. Mm-hmm. And so he, I haven't talked to him about it, but I would assume what he would say is that, you know, people come to my channel because they're expecting like videos about tech and cameras. And he was probably afraid that if he started putting just random vlogs on his channel, that people would be like, what the hell is this? And it was, and it would hurt his, his primary channel, which is probably, I mean, it is his bread and butter now because that's what he does for a living. Right. But I could see that. But at the same time, I, as an outside viewer looking in say, I probably could tell you that if potato just started posting random vlogs on his video, on his channel, his channel probably would have been done just as well. Yeah. Because I'm there for his personality. Maybe that's maybe I'm not the average viewer. Maybe yeah. most viewers come because they want tips and tricks for filmmaking and they just want it packaged in a hilarious rapper, which is Potato Jet. Right. So, but you know, that even 
supports my initial assertion that people come because of the personality. Right. You're, you're right. Cause I would watch whatever potato jet put up because I like potato jet because of his personality. I like the way he delivers his content, whether it's about filmmaking or it's about climbing up a ladder and stepping on shit like that. Yeah, then putting his hands in it. Putting, yeah. <laughs> or like him farting on camera. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm there for that. Right. But it's funny. Cause like when I actually look at a lot of the YouTube channels that I watch, like a lot of my favorite YouTubers, I would watch do anything. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most people who watch YouTube probably, well, I mean, not everybody. Cause yeah. like, I think some people are, you know, take Pete, Peter McKinnon, for example, I feel like, um, you know, Pete's been posting a lot of random stuff and I'm here for it. Like whatever he wants to make, like I'm along for the ride because I I'm would, there for Pete's personality. I would, I, I can watch Pete do hick shit all day yeah. because I like hick shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like quads and, and motorized vehicles and skidoos. Off-roading. And off-roading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Trucks yeah. and. hundred <laughs> percent. But on the flip side, I know for a fact that people are like, well, we're, Where's the tutorials? You know, we miss the old videos, you know, the filmmaking things, you know? So there, I think there's definitely, it depends on the viewer and who's watching. That's Cause true. I think that people are going to have different opinions. It's just but, you and me like to watch. We like to be entertained versus just wanting to learn something. Right, like if there's a nugget. Informed. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, thus is our existence. It has always been like, people saying like, oh, where are the helicopter videos? Yeah. And then you post more helicopter videos and be like, oh, where's the home videos? So it's right. like, you can't, you you can't please everybody. Right. And you're never going to please everybody. Mm -hmm. So you might as well, as long as there's the consistent thread is, is that people are coming for you or whatever you're doing yeah. or whatever you're doing packaged in your personality, that I think is the best way to brand yourself and the best way to groom your audience, so to say, because then they'll, they'll follow you into whatever, no matter what you end up doing, you know, right. like we might, you know, we might sell the helicopter someday, or I might just not want to fly helicopters anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll enough. believe that when I see it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that example. But maybe because when I look at your, um, not path, but your habits mm -hmm. of things that you're into, they do go in, uh, three to like 10 year streaks, <laughs> but then they come back. They do. Yeah. Like in paintball. some capacity. I was yeah. super into paintball as a kid. That was my and thing. And that came back. Yeah. And that came back mm -hmm. in university. And you were super into video in high school. And then that kind of, that came back now. Yeah. Not as in a, a different bit. way, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. But, and, you know, like I haven't like flown FPV drones in a while just because we haven't really been on any trips. Yeah. And but like, I wouldn't only... say that's like a niche that kind of like your hobby that no, you got rid our, of. Our channel's not like, and our channel's not based on no. FPV. We have what, what, three FPV videos? I think FPV is just like a, a fun thing that we can use to help tell a story in a video. Yes. I incorporated, I got into that strictly as a tool to help our videos yeah. and just change the look of the drone shots. It's kind of like camera stuff. Like every now and then, like we don't do camera reviews. Like if you look at our channel, there's no real like reviews on anything unless it's something that I'm really passionate about and want to talk about. Yeah. We've so done like, a few like overviews or, or, or yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just think there's plenty of people doing camera reviews online that are going like to do it better than us. They're going to do it way better than us. Yeah. Charles Dunn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a dork. I love it. I love him. <laughs> if I was going to do camera reviews, I might have, a, I'd have a channel probably like Gerald's. Yeah. It's funny though, when you think about niches, because like there's certain things that come out where you're like, Oh, I need a new phone. So I'm going to go to 
Sarah Dietschy or I Justine or Marquez and just watch. And I only need to watch one or two videos from them. Yeah. Or if it's like a new camera, a new light, Gerald. Like you're just going there. Just like one stop shop. Anything technical? Yeah. Gerald. Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I had this conversation somewhere with somebody. Oh, it was on Clubhouse. Um, but I, I want to pose this question to you. Somebody Am at, I old? I've never used Clubhouse before. I've only used it one time. It was fun when I used it. We old. I had no, yeah, we are. We are old. But somebody asked an interesting question. They said, when you're starting out making videos, should you copy or mimic somebody else's style or should you just try to figure it out on your own? What is your opinion? What's your opinion on that? So here's what I will say about that. Um, when I started shooting video, this was before like social media existed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was like the, when like BMX videos and like skate videos were huge. Yeah. But like the people in the forefront and the, on the bleeding edge of that were creating actual videos that people would buy. Mm -hmm. So like, oh, I bought this video or I saw this video you know, it wasn't like posted online. And right. so we would have like, we would spend the whole year filming and then we'd have a premiere at the end of the year as the premiere of the video release locally. Mm -hmm. And then we'd sell DVDs and VHS tapes basically. But there wasn't any, like the only thing that existed online was like maybe a trailer for the video. And at the time I remember like, even if YouTube I think was just starting to come around, like when when you rolled out with your it last- It was used as a video hosting service. It was, and you guys were very against posting any clips because you didn't want to ruin the right. premiere. Yeah, but also like, I also didn't view putting, hosting a video on YouTube and then linking it through, like embedding it in my website. Yeah. I thought that that was a cop out. I was like, oh, you like to have a custom website, you need to have like, you need to host it yourself. Oh, and times were different. They were different, then. yeah. It, it, there was no Squarespace. Right. Like you couldn't just make a website like that. Like no. you needed somebody who knew how to like make a code. Now, to be honest with you, it was just like basic HTML. So it was probably fairly straightforward for people who were, you know, yeah, I mean, somewhat uh, tech savvy. Exactly, yeah. But the, <laughs> or you just make a graphic in Photoshop and slice it up for, <laughs> yep. for web. <laughs> yep. Use fucking Dreamweaver. Exactly. Dreamweaver. Now Dude, I used yourself. to, yeah, I know, right? That's how I learned how to make websites was in Dream, Dreamweaver in high school. Make it in school. Flash. Flash was out when R I was. RIP Flash. RIP, yeah. So but anyway. Anyway, where I was going with this, because you asked, should you copy people's style or not? Yeah. I used to do tutorials online where like you would download the project files right. and you would like literally do it move for move just to understand the program. But yeah, I never I used like to do that with graphic design too. I never used those pieces for any like published work we'll mm -hmm. say, or yeah. like any work that I was doing that was ever saw the light of day. So mm -hmm. I copied in that respect. And then like, we were definitely influenced by things, but I always always use like do these little, these like little silly edits that I would, that would never again see the light of day, but it was just me practicing and making video. Let's show my friends. And I remember back in the day, it was the audio skates video that was really popular. And they had this, like the way they did, they had a lot, they were, did a heavy after effects work where it was like futuristic and had like flickering and like all sorts of like digital glitch effects and stuff. And I remember I was thinking, Oh my God, that's so cool. And they had like a lot of like weird, like, polygonal lines that were really like futuristic looking like a, like look like a, a like a futuristic beehive almost mm -hmm. like hexagons and shit and i remember i really liked the aesthetic that they created so like everything that people were doing at the time i feel like was really kind of leaning into that tech side of things yeah and what year was this would have been early 2000s like 2000 2000 2001 maybe mm -hmm. right before link project we did that 
for that video. So Link Project was your second BMX video. Right. But yeah. it was the first one that was like fully legit made into a VHS tape that you premiered. You didn't premiere St. John's BMX. No. No. We literally, I <laughs> I took two, two decks and just like recorded VHS tapes mm-hmm. and like literally sold them out of my backpack in, yeah. in like junior high school. Link Project was when you were in grade 12. I was in grade 10. Correct. I was in grade 10. Yes. Yeah. And then we made uh deadline mm-hmm. when I was in undergrad and then we skipped a year and then made hiatus when I was still in undergrad. Right. But, um, and hiatus w- deadline was the first one you did on DVD. Deadline was, yeah. and you had them, you were printing them yourself on a CD printer. No, I wasn't. I had them replicated. Well, I had them duplicated by a production house, but they were like DVD R's. Right. Uh, and then there was an issue with the compatibility with a nightmare. Oh my God. Yes. I forgot. So then, like it. for hiatus, we were like, we need to get like a glass master, get real pressed DVDs, which then the production house told us that we had to make sure we had secured song rights, like rights to use them. Right. Oh my God. You had to get licenses so we for had, every but song. But I was like, there was no like, there's no music bed. There's no music bed. There's no epidemic sound. No. There was no like easily, it was all like either you you're royalty free up. or you were calling up and emailing people. And they're like, who's going to randomly like sign a contract that's like licensed. It's basically what the contract is like licensed to use in perpetuity yeah. for these random kids in Newfoundland for a BMX video. They're like, a lot of people are just like, Oh yeah, this is like not something that this is just a bunch of kids making videos. So like, yeah, but you know, it, it limited what we were able to do. So that's why we had a lot of songs by local artists, like bottled beats mm-hmm. and they're, they made like really kind of like Newfoundland sort of hip hop track fusion almost. Yep. So that was, that was awesome. And didn't you make a couple of your own tracks for that? I did. I used soundtrack. Yeah. Loops and soundtrack. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. It's crazy to like think back on, on those times because, you know, we're so lucky now to have the accessibility that we have to royalty free music. Like you pay a monthly thing and you get unlimited. Like it's, I remember. But actually good music too. And it's good. Yeah. Because there was a period of time where there wasn't a lot of good. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, and I had this like almost stigma against royalty free music for a while when we started YouTube because everything was like, you know, like that classic YouTube song. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't like a lot of really good stuff. And I loved lo-fi hip hop at the time. I still do. Um, but yeah, now there's like some really great stuff but back then you're right like you had to like literally call these people or email them and then like you couldn't just use whatever song because when you did st john's bmx you could use you just used whatever yeah, song really you wanted. i was a kid in my mom's basement recording like vhs tapes to it like yeah. from my little handicam yeah. camcorder <laughs> so you could really like edit to you know popular songs whatever and you now want, you're yeah. like well so we use get up kids and afi for my two yeah. video parts in that video incredible yeah. are they online anywhere can we post those in the show notes uh, yeah, I've got a, I've uploaded them to Facebook like years ago. Okay. I'll see if I can link them in the show notes. Yeah, I had to go like part one, part two, because there was like a 15 minute time limit for clips right. back then. Oh my God. So technology funny. is just insane. So, so technically I could upload hiatus to YouTube and technically I have the rights, the rights to all those songs in perpetuity. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> how the contract was worded. Yeah. Oh, funny. So, so going back to the copying okay, so, thing, so yeah, that was a little a bit of a sidebar. Huge tangent. Yeah. No, so, that's great. So. Yeah. Would you cut? So I made these edits that were very heavily inspired by these people. And who knows if I was online at that time and social media was a thing at the time, I probably would have posted them to social media. So at that point I would have been, I don't know. I I don't know if you call it copying, but I was heavily influenced by those styles. Mm -hmm. Inspired by heavily. And isn't like, what what point does the line blur between copy and inspiration? Yeah. And you know what? Like, it's hard. Like if you're starting your video like with "puts up everybody," then yeah, it's like, then it's okay. like okay, that's a copy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this 
this kind of fine line. With the plosives. <laughs> There's a certain point where when you're learning how to make videos or how to do photography, like you can't learn without doing a tutorial. And by doing a tutorial, you have to recreate the thing. Yeah. So and you're you trying on different hats though. Yeah. And you, so you start to pick up these stylistic things from other people, tricks from other people. And so sometimes it is hard to not fall into making something look just like somebody else's especially if you like it and you want like that's your goal is to like make your photos look like somebody else's photographs or make your videos the similar style to somebody else's videos yeah like you you don't really know what your style is until you've tried other people's styles on to see what parts of those styles you like yeah but i think that like back in the day when we were starting out Again, social media was not a mainstay. So it was very, it wasn't like, oh, you follow all your favorite photographers on Instagram. You're constantly inundated with their images and therefore you're subconsciously going to be biased to create images that look like theirs. Right. It was more so. And there's no, and there was no, oh, this person is doing this type of content. This is performing really well. Therefore, I'm going to try to make this thing. Right. It was like. Because it was never driven by metrics. Never. It was just like, oh, this looks cool. I'll make this. Yeah. I wanted to make nice looking images. I did a lot of landscapes. I feel like when I got into photography initially, did, yeah. did a lot of landscapes. I just wanted to make stuff that like I could look at and be like, I think that looks cool. Yeah. And you were doing like goal. a lot of photography time lapses for your videos. Yes. I was doing that. Cause that's why I bought a DSLR to begin with. Then I started shooting photos and then I wanted to be like, Oh, I want to create images that I'm proud of. Right. And printing was also a big thing for me. I mean, we had a 44 inch wide printer. Mm-hmm. So shooting for print was big. And that was ironically, that was when we were most obsessed with, you know, um, shooting for print was when we had the least resolution. Yeah. And now like we have the highest resolution in our cameras because technology has come so far mm-hmm. yet. We don't ever talk about like, we don't ever concern about like, Oh, we, we should print this. We yeah. Just don't print just a don't lot. Do it. Yeah. yeah. We print those photo books though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, those don't require, we could print photo books from our 20 D from back in the day, what eight megapixels or whatever, oh, six yeah. megapixels. And hundred percent. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, it's funny, even with photography, like going back, you said you, you were shooting a lot of landscapes. I feel like um, the reason why I learned how to do lighting at all was by looking at these photographers who I loved, who I looked up to, Dan Winters, Joey L, and like breaking down their lighting schemes and recreating them. Oh, I guess you did have some photographers that you sort of looked up to. Yeah, Dave yeah. Hill. I don't remember ever looking at any other people's work and being like, I want to be like that person. I, I, just- I do. Hundred percent. What I used to do though, what I, what I would do is I would look up tutorials and techniques that I liked the look of. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't necessarily be one person or one style, and I would learn that technique and then and then add that into my uh, toolbox. Right. You know, like the whole like remember in Photoshop. Remember back, back before Lightroom and um, the Apple Aperture. Yes. Before your like raw management files, it was like we I used Bridge to manage my files. Mm-hmm. And I'd have folders full of raw photos that had the like um, sidecar. Um, uh, what was the, what was the uh, XMLs? Was a sidecar XML mm-hmm. file that would store all your camera edits, and then you literally had to open them up in Photoshop in order to finish them off or export them to JPEGs. Right. And it was just like this really clunky workflow to shoot raw. Yeah. But back then, I was like, I would learn like different techniques like that dodge and burn with the soften or the overlay blending mode. Mm-hmm. And then have like a, a, a white or a black brush in sort of a 
like low opacity. So the reason why I wanted to do dodging and burning to an extreme was because I was so inspired by Dave Hill. Do you remember that adventure girl series that he did where it was like, it was a girl underwater and she was like in scuba gear or like she, there was like a, uh, one of those scuba helmets, like metal helmets, or she was like in this cave searching and she had like the snorkel goggles on her head and it was like really pink. Do you remember that at all? I don't remember any of those images, but I do remember that name. And I remember that he did. He, he did really very heavily comped, like yeah. really heavily dodged his image, and burned. His image looked really like high local contrast. Like it was around the the HDR boom. It was, but it wasn't bad HDR. What his images looked like was like at the time was like my ideal commercial like advertising photography. Mm -hmm. It was like on another level. Really poppy, punchy. Poppy, punchy, almost like almost like cartoonish, but not like kind of yeah. look like a painting, but not it's I, high I'm, local contrast. And yeah. what he did was he took areas in a scene and he, it, it's like, like he shadow highlighted everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it would be like, but it would be well done. There was you would no take halos. Every local part, you would take every part of the image, every like area, but like, you know, the dark scene behind you and you'd scale up that histogram to use the full histogram. Yeah. And same with like, mm -hmm. you know, all, and everything would be on the same exposure level basically. Yeah. Yeah, so like his work was the reason why I really wanted to get into like photo editing and a couple of movies that I'd watched at the time mm. as well. But you know, it's like y you try those things too. You're never going to take like, especially like looking at Dave Hill's work as, and his adventure series, like there's no way that I would ever take the same photo because I, I'm not in the same location. I don't have the same model. I don't have the same access to accessories and things that he had, but there were like elements of that where I could take that and try to shoot my own thing and edit in a similar way, but put enough, like enough of a different spin on it where it's inspired by, but it's not like a direct copy of. Mm -hmm. And then from there, by creating that, it's like you're learning things along the way by shooting things, comping things, doing multiple exposures and, you know, trying different editing techniques. And it, it looks like shit at first, but then eventually you start to hone it in and then you start realizing, oh, I'm not really a fan of how this one thing looks, but I really like how these things are turning out. So you start exploring like shifting tones of things or like comping in skies or whatever. These are just examples. And then you start to develop your skills and your own style and your preferences. And then as time goes on, your work is so far away from where it started from like being super inspired or copying this one photographer too, or videographer, or whatever. It's like you start to just grow your skills. And so now your, you know, style your, is so different. Your career though, in or journey in photography started off very early on commercial focused. Yes, it did. Cause you were when very I, interested in shooting commercial photography. Yeah. That's what I never really got overly into landscapes. Like I shot landscapes because you like doing them and it was fun to go out and shoot them. But like my goal when I started was commercial. Like it was like, all I wanted to do was like advertising photography and yeah. like editorial stuff. Cause that was, you know, that's what you're exposed to when you were a graphic designer. Yeah. Oh, and that, and that was it. Like that for me being able to do this, like really crazy specialized commercial photography inspired by what Dave Hill was doing at the time. This is when I was starting my career, plus being able to do branding and graphic design work and putting those two together. I felt like layout. shoot for the layout. Comp yeah. for the layout. I could, I could come up with a concept for the entire project and execute it. Yeah. And that was like the goal for me. Now, was it a great execution? It was probably towards the end. I think it was okay. Mm -hmm. I think there was some work that was happening there that was decent. Um, was some of it overdone? Yeah, maybe, but you know, it's fun to do all that stuff. Yeah. It's part of your journey. Yeah. But that was what I was really interested in. Whereas like you were more so landscapes, but even in the video world, like you said, you were, you were doing these tutorials, but it's, it's hard now because like you said, 
you're getting bombarded with people who you're following constantly because we had the post daily or a couple of times a week with the algorithm. So like as a fresh photographer, if you're following somebody, Lizzie Pierce, for example, you know, and you're seeing her photographs weekly, then you're influenced by what she's shooting and what she's editing and, and her style. And now you start to shoot like that because you're seeing that instead of developing kind of your own thing. So it's, I think it's hard these days to create something that's a bit different. It is. Yeah. Cause you're constantly inundated with other people's work. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like that when I started. No. <laughs> there no, you go. Wasn't. Well, it's been 33 minutes. So. Okay. so we do have one thing before we go. We did say that we were going to start a new segment called open mic. Oh, do we have a noise for it? No, we don't have a noise yet, but I do. That's oh, friggin' that's deadly. Like, how about this one? Sad trombone. No, that's the sad tromboner. <laughs> We're starting this new segment called Open Mic, where you guys can go on the Anchor app and send us a voice message. So, like, quick little thing, you can introduce yourself, tell us a story, tell us a joke, tell us, just say hi, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. Just keep it short and respectful. Don't be mean. Um, and it's free to do it. Just Anchor app. I'll leave it in the show notes. So, this is our open mic for today. You ready? Yep. Hi, this is Bite Size Stories. Once I was waiting outside of a bar. This guy showed up and asked me if I have a lighter. I said, I'm sorry, I don't smoke. He got angry and said, if you're not smoking, what are you doing here? I said, I'm farting, which I was. You had to see him how fast he went back into the bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was so great. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know, why would someone get mad at you for not having a lighter? It's like- well, People get mad about a lot of things these days, but I feel like blaming anything on a fart just like diffuses the conversation and makes people walk away. <laughs> diffuses it nice. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Oh, that was great. Thanks for setting that. That, that made me chuckle. I listened to that earlier. Oh, just, you already heard it. I wish I, I wish I hadn't. I wish it was my original reaction because I, I was like, where's this going? And he was like, I was standing outside farting. And I was like, ah! and then I, then I immediately thought of you and your story about what happens to you at work every single day. Oh, Do you want to share? Not really. Well, I, Okay. Leave it hanging. Thank well, you. Now for I have to. Now I have to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's just. It's you don't a, have to be. You could be Cole's notes. I call it the reverse crop dust. <laughs> Would you explain what crop dusting is? Yes. Crop dusting. It's like from planes. <laughs> or should I say. A yeah. So it's when you fart and then you walk away and you leave it for everybody. No, behind. no, no, no. It's as you're walking by. Oh, you're walking by. Okay. Oh, so you fart as you're walking by. And you just leave your fart smell for people who are You're crop dusting. You're crop dusting. You're dusting the crops. With your fart. But the crops are you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a reverse crop dust. Is when you ro flip the rolls. So I am now sedentary. Yeah. People are coming to by you. my desk. So you're farting and somebody's coming to you. Or yeah. reverse and crop dust. And it always happens. It's been happening to you for years. You yeah, used to reverse like, crop dust I, your I, helicopter instructor all the time. <laughs> You, I, there's a video on our YouTube channel that starts. You're like, do you know what crop dusting is? <laughs> I, <think we laughs> I know this because we just already, we just watched this. This has already been on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 explained it, Dude. and then you said that you've reverse crop dusted Lyle, but you do it all the time at work. But I don't mean to do it. You're in your office, it's mind like, your own business. It's like let one rip. If I ever, it's like, wow, I can summon a team of like. <laughs> I can I can summon a team of like two physicians, like yeah. two attending physicians, yeah. three residents, two yeah. fellows, and like ten medical students who are all like coming in like a troop. It's like my whole office is empty the entire day, but it's like oh, I fart. Might as well just do it in my office because I'm only one in here with nobody else. And then you just like you know let it out. Yeah, and then no doubt, ten seconds later, like <laughs> enough time for it to escape from your pants and just fucking reek. <laughs> 
Knock, knock. It's like, and then it was like, and you're just like, fuck. I'm like, oh my God, someone's at my door. And then they open it. There's like a whole harem of people. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this place stinks. It smells like trash in here right now. Does anybody ever say anything? No, nobody says anything. See, I'm telling you. you need and it. I'm like, if I can smell this, you guys can smell it worse. Oh, and trust me, it's potent too. Like it hits you with like a ton of bricks in the face. Yeah, it's like a slap to the face. It is. Your eyes water. It's a slap like slap to just the face like with like a rotten chicken tray. Yes. Like the tray that holds the chicken from the grocery store. It's like when you, yeah, when you cook chicken, you put the tray in the trash. And you forget you put the chicken tray in the trash and then three days later, you're like... That's what it smells like inside my body. How? Are you rotting from the inside? I'm, I'm telling you. I'm spoiling. You're spoiling. I, I'm telling you, I think you need a sign on your door that says, <laughs> thou who smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> and just leave. Just, just not just say anything. There, yeah, just leave like, it there. And if so, anybody says anything, anything. just point to the sign. Yeah. <laughs> just like... <laughs> it was you. <laughs> well, when in doubt, blame the medical students. Exactly. But on that note. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, sending us your open mics. If you want to send us a voice message, you can just go on Anchor and search for a podcast and send us a message. I'll leave it in the show notes. Uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Don't take into consideration our fart stories or our swearing. Although if that's a positive for you, great. Five stars. But as a negative, remember, this is a mature podcast. It is. Rated R. Mature. And it's not mature at all. No, it's... It's just rated R because we are children who swear. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll catch you guys on the next one.